0: our text this morning is from John 1 verse 4, which in a minute you'll get to and be like, wow, that's perfect on um, a Sunday where we celebrate life. Anybody see um, Star Wars over the Christmas break or the new Star Wars? Whoa, sweet. It was really, um, it was very good. Uh, And if you are familiar with the Star Wars series, uh, then you know a little bit about um, the force and you know a little bit about the light, and the dark, right? Um, In Star Wars, there's this thing that continually happens, and it's so frustrating. Uh, You want to just, like, jump in the movie and be like, man, just stay with the Force. But what what keeps happening, Alex, right, is the Jedis, who are, like, the good guys, they keep, like, they they get to these places of fear and not knowing what the future is. And um, at that moment... What, what comes to them. There's like a temptation that comes to them, right? And they have this opportunity to um, try to control their situation. They, they're they presented with something and they have an opportunity in their fear to react and to go handle the situation on their own, in their own strength, in their own power, to run ahead of the 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 thing that they're walking through, to get ahead of it, and to go fix it themselves. And um, there's a scene from, uh, I believe it's The Empire Strikes Back, Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, okay, is the one when um, Luke is training with Yoda, and if you don't know who Yoda is, uh, he's like a little, he's like a little, um, what is he like, a little puppet man guy. He's terrifying, okay, at first, but then you hear him talk, and you're like, he's not that scary. Um, but Yoda is like this little green monster swamp man who's actually like a, a Jedi warrior. Um, and Yoda's on Luke's back. And Luke wants to go fix this problem. Okay, if you guys are like, what does this have to do with the Bible? We'll get there in a second. Um, and he wants to go fi- solve this problem. And Yoda's telling him, be patient, be patient. Um, But Luke feels this fear. And Yoda drops this line on him. That's beautiful. Um, This is uh, from Star Wars. I think it's The Empire Strikes Back. Can you throw it up there, Jim? Um, Yoda, that's Yoda. And he says, fear is the path to the dark side. Okay? It's sort of the seed that leads to the dark side. Because what you have in Star Wars are these Jedi's. Who live in sort of like in, in unity with, with uh, the world and with people. And they have this temptation to go control things and fix it on their own strength and their own power. And in that moment, they become a part of like this, the dark side. That's where you get Darth Vader. Darth Vader used to be a good guy, and then he became like a bad guy. And if you see the new Star Wars, like, there's all these questions about, I'm not gonna like spoiler alert it, but it, does Luke become. Like his father, does he walk in that same path? All right? And so this quote, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger and anger to hate and hate to suffering. Could come right out of the Bible. That's all I'm saying. It doesn't. If somebody quotes it and be like, doesn't it say in the Bible fear leads to anger and anger to hate and hate to... Su-? Just say, no, that's Star Wars, not the Bible. Um, but it does say in First John 2, verse 11... That anyone who hates his brother, anyone who lives in hate toward his brother, lives in the darkness. The, the light is not in him. Now, um, hate, anger, fear, they're born out of this desire to sort of like control the world, to be the ones who dictate how things go, who determine the path. And sometimes fear can be good, right? Right? Um, If you are, uh, let's say you're at the San Diego Zoo. Does anybody go to the San Diego Zoo a lot? Caleb, you do, right? Okay, Caleb. You're at the San Diego Zoo, and you know the tiger? You go to see the tiger at the zoo. You don't see the tiger at the zoo? You can never see him. That's why. You go to see the tiger, and you can never find him. It's like, where is the tiger? He's in the corner behind the trees. He's hard to see, right? We have been to the zoo and looked for the tiger and you like see a little tail. But imagine you're at the zoo looking for the tiger and all of a sudden there is a hole in the glass that one of your classmates was like, you know, we should cut a hole in the tiger glass. And they do it. And so the tiger is out and um, they haven't fed him yet today. And uh, you're walking by and all of a sudden it's like, hey, the tiger is out and he's hungry and he loves to eat fourth grade boys. Okay, Caleb, imagine that In that moment, fear becomes a good thing Right? This instinct kicks in And you go like, high alert, red alert The tiger is out of the cage And so for that time For that moment In that moment This is like a good instinct Boom, fear kicks in And you're like, I'm out The tiger is on the loose And I'm going to be free right?" Or your kid is crossing the street Um, your three-year-old, you open your door, and they're like, crossing, trying to cross the street. Not that that happened to me, okay? Um, But imagine it did. And you all of a sudden go like, no! Right? In that moment, you wouldn't be like, hmm, young lady, it's important and imperative that you don't cross the street without your parents, right? So there is a time and a place where fear is good. The problem becomes when fear becomes the way that we operate in the world, our mode of being, when we live in a place of perpetual fear, when we're afraid of our neighbor, when we're afraid of our coworker, when we're afraid of some hidden political agenda taking shape in the world, when we're afraid of whatever, when we live in this perpetual place of fear, the fruit of it, the writer of John, John, that darkness, that, the, the hatred, the anger that flow out of that, um, have no place in the kingdom of God. Now, John knows about this place, okay? I, I just want to paint a pr- picture for you of, of the gospel writer. Um, John writes in, in 20 verse 31, these are written, his book, his letter, his, his story is written in 20 verse 31, that you might believe That Jesus is the Christ. We talked about that last week. The cosmic creator of the universe. This is written that you might believe it. And that by believing you might have life in his name. John is writing at a time at the end of his life. He's an old man. Like many of you. He's an old man. He's looking back at his life. In wisdom. He's looking at what mattered. And what didn't. Amen Leslie? And he's looking back at what mattered and what was important. Like you do when you're older, right? What did I do that was good? What did I do that I wish I could take back? What was important to me? And he's looking back at his life. And he's reflecting on his relationship with Jesus. He's reflecting on on what it meant. It wasn't just a friendship to him. Because he saw in Christ. He saw in Jesus Not just a a great friend. He saw in him the hope of the world. He saw in him hope for every person everywhere. You see, John was someone who knew suffering. He stood at the cross while Jesus said to him, John, you take my mother to be your mother. And mom, you take him to be your son. John and Mary, we know from Ephesians, uh, John fulfilled that. He took care of her. They lived together. They probably talked about, um, you know, what it was like being the mother of God. And we know at the end of John's life, he has witnessed terrible things. He's witnessed the execution of his friends, Peter and Paul, the apostles. He's lived at a day and an age um, where Jerusalem has been uh, sort of handcuffed by the Roman Empire. He's witnessed tragedy upon tragedy. We we don't know for sure. Some people think he wrote this after the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Some people think he wrote it more in like 65. But he's seen a lot. If he had seen that following 70 AD, then then he's seen hundreds of thousands of people killed at the hands of Nero. It's possible. And some commenters think that he wrote it after that and so he's seen terrible destruction he has seen and witnessed the darkness he is he is reflecting on his life and he knows that darkness it is not foreign to him he was there when his his friend betrayed his savior and lord and he was also there on the morning after the resurrection, on the beach, having breakfast with Jesus. This is deeply, intimately personal to John. And here are the words that he has written in John 1 verse 4. This is what he writes. In him, in him is Jesus, the Christ, the creator who came and embodied himself, gave himself flesh and bones. In him was Life. The Greek word, Z-O-E, Zoe, looks like the word for zoo, right? Sorry about the zoo theme this morning. But if you think about a zoo, it's teeming with life. There's diversity. There's creativity. There's, there's new birth. If you think about a zoo and you go there, you can't help but smile. Smile. Things are, are colorful. They're bright. John is saying, in Him, there is this life. Thirty five times, thirty five times in his account of Christ, he uses this word, life. Zoe, and it's not just to talk about the physical life. It's not just to talk about you know uh, the breath in our lungs. It's not just to talk about eternal life. It's to talk about a kind of life that's infused with meaning and passion and vigor. In John 10 verse 10, he says, quotes Jesus saying, I have come that they might have life and have it to the fullest. An overflowing life. A life that's overflowing with hope. That's overflowing with goodness. That's overflowing with love. John says, that's why he came. That's why Jesus was here. That's the Jesus I knew and loved. That's the one who gave his life for us. The one who came and said, I am the light of the world. John says, in him was was a life. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe that's just what you need to hear. Maybe this is what you needed to hear this morning. That that in your darkness, in the hopelessness, in your anger, in your fear of of what's coming. You just need to hear these words. In him was life. John goes on. That life that flows out of Christ, that life that that springs up out of him, in him was life, and that life is the light of all mankind. That life is the light of, Of all mankind. Now, some really interesting things about light. The smallest light, the smallest light penetrates darkness, doesn't it? It doesn't take a whole lot. Um, I mentioned that to the kids that, um, you know, I'm afraid of the dark a little bit. Some of that I'm just saying to the kids. But seriously, I'm a big fraidy cat. And um, some people take advantage of that. I take advantage of that and other people because they say, like, you know, scared people scare people. So I, I do a lot of this around the office, standing around corners and like, ah, scare people. And uh, Scott usually gets really like, uh, he scares well. It's fun. But the smallest light penetrates that darkness, doesn't it? You know, with my kids, I, I plug in a little light or sometimes I leave the door open just to crack. Just to crack in the hallway. Dad, can you leave the light on? Yeah. I don't leave the door open the whole way. Just a little bit of light penetrates that darkness. It doesn't take a lot, does it? It's interesting, after uh, the Attacks that happened here in December. Our family has a thing that we do around Advent, and um, we—we it was Julie's family tradition. uh, Her dad makes a Advent wreath. Does anybody make one of these Advent wreath with candles? And so every day of Advent, um, we have these candles. Jimmy, can you put that picture up? this is our advent wreath there. This is the day uh, after, or the day, I think it was the evening of the attacks. And it was, it was eerie, right? Um, Vaughn, obviously, you have a front row seat to this thing. It was eerie as a city, as a community. Um, helicopters are flying everywhere. Uh, you can imagine, you can't really see them, but those are my kids in the background there. Um, and they're, they're going to us. What, what is this, right? It's, it's dark out now. During the daytime, it was okay, but now it's dark out. And what's the story with like the helicopters? We see their lights. You know we see their lights in the sky, and what's going on? And my wife posted this picture on her Instagram, and it's the next verse, in one verse five. She posted John 1 verse five. "In him was light, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. That's where light shines. Light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. And so this image, to me, is just kind of seared and burned in my mind. I don't remember what song we were singing there, but you can see our kids kind of bolting out, belting out some song as we had uh, a few of the candles lit um, for that evening. And um, to me, it's just this powerful image of light shining in the darkness, the darkness cannot overcome it I don't know what the darkness looks like for you I don't I don't know what the fear looks like for you maybe it's a fear of the future and and how your kids are going to turn out or how your grandkids are going to turn out maybe it's a fear for your occupation or or a fear for um, your relationships or your friendships or a fear of being found out what if they knew what if people knew I don't know exactly what the fear looks like for you, but we all fear. It's, it's present for all of us. We're all afraid of that phone call. Um, yesterday, uh, we were talking to, um, I talked to Matt Weirs first thing in the morning, and some of you um, heard this. Um, Matt and Cheryl got a phone call on Friday night this week that Cheryl has lymphoma. Which is a blood cancer. Um, She went in to run a biopsy on uh, something like a cyst that she found on her side, and um, they found out that it was um, it was was cancer. It's lymphoma, and so they are in in this place right now of just trying to figure out what's next. What's the next step? Um, How do we? Um, try to live and do normal life. How do we go about our work? How do we share this with our kids? Um, and the darkness can be overwhelming, can it? In those moments, the, the fear of, are we gonna be okay? Are things gonna be okay? And the tendency and the temptation for us in those moments um, is to hide. It's to, um, in our own strength, fix and solve and for John, when he's writing these words, he's saying, "Jesus Christ is the life. He is the light. He is the love." He's the, the gospel writer who says in a single word, um, "This is what God. You want to know what God is? You want to know who He is. He is love. He is love. And that love is light, and that light gives life to everything. And no amount of darkness can overcome that. No amount of darkness, no amount of pain, no amount of bad news can suffocate that light. There's nothing that can overwhelm that light. That light is the life of all mankind. That life is the light of all. You see, for John, this news changes absolutely everything. It means we do not have to live in fear. You are not a slave to fear of any kind. You need not fear um, your reputation, you need not fear any diagnosis. You need not fear anything. For John says, in him is a life, and that life is eternal. That life is forever. That life starts the moment that you have a relationship with Christ. Life begins. This is life, John says later in his book, that they know you, Father, and the Son whom you've sent. Once they know that, boom, infusion, life. Zoe, it's theirs. That life, that eternal life, that spring that pops in us, that's the light of all mankind. And no amount of darkness, the river, no amount of darkness, no amount of confusion, nothing you've been through or will go through will stop that. It'll go on and on and on after you're here in this pew. It'll go on and on and on. You know what John says? Forever. The light of all mankind will continue to shine long after you're here, long after I'm here, long after our kids and grandkids are here. Nothing, nothing can overcome that light. This past week, um, I had the opportunity Thanks to uh, someone in our congregation, Megan McClellan, sitting right over here. Megan is a sophomore at the University of Redlands. She's a part of Young Life. Um, she uh, went through our Exploring the River group, um, our group number four. And um, Megan is a light on her campus, folks. I, it's a beautiful thing to witness. Um, this past Wednesday, she grabbed a whole bunch of her friends, and they were at Lagonia uh, at lunchtime playing kickball. I don't know how many friends you brought, but you brought a lot, like six or something. But Megan, um, on Tuesday night, I asked her if I could kind of brag about her. On Tuesday night, she helped organize something at the University of Redlands because she said, you know what? They said their are friends uh, and a group of students there. There's, there's too much hate among religions, we see too many different religious groups who are afraid of each other, who hate each other. And that's bad. That darkness, there's, there's no fruit coming out of that. It's just more fear. It's just more isolation. There's just more loneliness. There's just less life, right? There's less life in it. Less creativity, less joy, less peace. There's less peace when we isolate ourselves from others and and hide and throw rocks verbally at other groups. So Megan and her friends organized an interfaith panel. It was fascinating. Um, We had a Jewish rabbi who wasn't able to be there, so the Jewish psychoanalyst was there instead. We had a Hindu priest, a Muslim sheik, a um, someone representing Buddhism, a monk, a a female monk, and then a Christian minister. Is that everybody? Yes. And the fascinating thing was watching these people. None of them kind of they didn't they didn't not reflect their religious. Uh, position they were honest about it but there was like a friendship and a camaraderie that existed on that stage it it made me kind of scratch my head and go like huh so you can talk to someone who thinks differently than you and not have like this poison, poisonous venom uh like dripping from you and and this hate-filled like posture toward them huh I was so inspired and moved um, by Megan and her friends Um, I emailed, Facebooked afterwards I went up to um, the Muslim leader and I said I'm embarrassed I don't have any Muslim leader friends I'm a minister in this city called by God to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and I don't have any Muslim leader friends can I buy you a cup of coffee and learn a little bit of your story of how you came to be the man that you are in the place that you are. Now we know there's like a million questions you might have like, wait a second, I thought we're supposed to try to convert and I, th- and I think there is a time for that. I'm hoping our conversation does lead to Jesus because as a Muslim leader, this person professes that Jesus was a great prophet So I'm hoping the conversation goes to Jesus, that we get to sit at Starbucks and and talk about his story, and I get to ask, tell me who Jesus is to to you and your, your community. To us, he's not just a good man. To us, he's not just a prophet. To us, he is the light of the world, the hope of all mankind. So that's where I'm hoping the conversation goes this week. You can pray for me. I've never done this before. It's a step that I'm taking toward being a person of the light. I'd like to challenge you this morning. If you haven't yet committed your life to Christ, if you haven't yet said, here's my life, it's yours, this morning, make that your first step. If you haven't, again, maybe, maybe it's been a while and you just have to recommit your life to Christ. If you haven't committed yourself to him, to the light of all mankind, I want to invite you to do that in a moment. For many of you, you're in that place already. You said, I'm committed, I'm dialed in, I'm, I'm, I'm learning with other people about what it means to follow him and remain in him and what it means to obey his commandments. Fantastic here's the challenge that I want to put in front of you. What might it look like for you this week to light one light again? To light one candle? There's a phrase that I heard recently that said it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. Better to light just a single light than to point at the darkness and complain about how it's overwhelming and oppressing because all we do when we do that is we feed into the the story and the narrative that the darkness is winning. No, no, no. All it takes is one light to dispel the darkness. Jesus said he's the light of the world. He's shining, but sometimes we cover him up. So what would it look like for you this week? Think about the darkness and what it is for you. Maybe it's a relationship that, that you just pray for. You, you've spoken of it in a way that acknowledges the darkness. Now it's time to counter that, to pray hope and life and light into that relationship. Maybe it is a fear that you have of the other, whoever the other might be. Maybe it's political, and you're afraid of Republicans or you're afraid of Democrats, and you just need to sit down and say, hey, What would it look like for you and me to grab a cup of coffee and I try to understand where you're coming from? In him is a life, a life that is the light of all mankind, an adventure unlike any other. I'm excited as a community for um, the things that we're learning together about who God has placed here. There are a lot of lights in this community. This week I learned about a few more Um, there's a group of folks at this church, maybe you know this, they write to people in prison uh, letters um, and they have like mentoring relationships with people in prison. If you want to know more about how to do that, maybe for you there's a fear of criminals and you just need to go like, bless some criminals. Bless some, some brothers and sisters who are locked up. Eileen Vandalindy is the person to talk to. Email me, I'll connect you with her. She said this week she, she had a, um, an email cor- or a correspondence, a letter correspondence with an inmate and it was about one of these verses. It was about how Jesus is the, the light of the world. how He is the life and the source of life. Maybe for you, um, you, you heard Miriam's testimony about helping at the, um, I can never say it, San Bernardino Pregnancy Resource Center. Is that what it's called? close enough. Um, And so it's just talking with her, hey, how could I help out with that? Light one light. You have to change the world. What would it look like for you to say, this is a place of fear. Maybe you have um, a history of mental illness, or someone in your family has a history of mental illness, and you just say, you know what, I'm going to visit the behavioral medical clinic. I'm just going to go up and, and say, hey, Can I go in? They're going to say no, by the way, you're not allowed to go in. But you just say, I just wanted to pray for you and your staff today. Okay? Maybe that's the step. What is the the light that Jesus is inviting you to sort of just let shine? Because he is the hope of the world, he is the light of all mankind. Let's pray. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with your Father's glory. Blaze, Spirit, blaze. You set our hearts on fire. Flow, the river, flow. Flood the nations with grace and mercy. Send forth the word of life. Send forth the light of life. Send forth the the hope of the world, God. And let there be light. Amen.